Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to immerse yourselves in the American Immersion Theater Podcast with your hosts, Scott Crampton and Anessa Johnson. Greetings, Immersioneers. I'm Scott, the Maverick of Immersion Crampton, and this is my co-host. I'm Anessa, Experiential Theater Fairy Godmother Johnson. Welcome to On Acting, the American Immersion Theater Podcast. On this show, we teach you to be a better actor. But to be a better actor, you have to realize it's not just about acting. It's It's about about interacting. interacting. So sit back and relax as we teach you the American Immersion Theater Method. And today, we have a special guest, somebody we really know in real life. It's time for some special guests. They're like your hosts, only they're not terrible. Terrible like Scott and Nessa. Uh, she is the Los Angeles American Immersion Theater director in charge of one of our biggest troops in the mm-hmm. whole country. Uh, and she's also the star and semi-former star of Video Games the Musical, uh, which is was wildly popular for many, many years uh, or year. Uh, I can't remember, <laughs> but it was very popular during that time. I'm, and she'll tell us more about it. Uh, everybody give a big round of applause to Miss Amber Lawson, everybody. Yay! Yay. Welcome. Hello, everyone. You just yayed yourself. <laughs> I give myself a yay! Listen, <laughs> Barney is basically tell, the same thing. I'm not all excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, essentially, um, what we do on, on acting is we like to talk about some of the nitty-gritty stuff. And I think one of the more aspirational things that anybody can do is bring something from fringe uh, to all the way. So, tell us a little bit about... Video Games the Musical. Let's start with what is Video Games the Musical? So, Video Games was actually kind of a baby of immersion theater, improv, and staged combat. Uh, What we did was, I kind of explain it to a lot of people as Hunger Games and Super Smash Brothers had a baby and were on stage. (laughs) I'm already sold. (laughs) Yep. And so, what they did was, is they offered... Um, I think it was somewhere in the ballpark of a hundred different endings. And the entire show was based around audience interaction, very similar to following an RPG where Mm -hmm. they're deciding who they like, what choices they want to make. And that is what kind of killed off characters or advanced characters, or you'll have to pardon me because I did a lot of research on video games when I got in the show mm-hmm. because I had never played a video game until I was in the show. That's how Fun it always facts. is. Yeah, if you want to be in video games and musical, the key is to not be in love with video games. If you want to be a superhero, never read a comic book. Uh, that's always how it is. If you want to yeah. be in a sports movie, never watch a sport. I, that's 100% I, how it is 100% I of the time. I had to do a lot of homework on the show, uh, in particular because I was improvising with a lot of different universes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was I was the character Jigglypuff, who I would say is a klutzy Glinda. Mm-hmm. And that klutzy Glinda made a lot of mistakes. So part of making very smart choices in improv comedy, I needed to understand how I could be a klutz within that universe. Not just being clueless, but being purposefully mm-hmm. clueless. Mm-hmm. And officially, you were Jigglypuff of Pokemon fame. Yes. yes. Yeah, I was Jigglypuff. And it had a lot of... You know, when I try to describe it to others, because it is very hard to understand people playing those characters as not impersonators, but 
rather giving Ping a lot of tribute to. So my character name was Jigglypuff, but I emulated a lot of the Effie Trinket ways. Mm-hmm. So I kind of looked like a drag queen, which was a pile of fun. Yep. And uh, <laughs> I stammered around in heels a lot. But actually, there's a point of the show where you could choose to throw me into the games as well. Oh, wow. So I was mm-hmm. actually the first person that was a host to ever win the video games because at the in the show there's actually a winner which was mm-hmm. amazing you started off the show with 12 contestants and at the end mm-hmm. of the show somebody won the video games and had killed everybody else off that's so cool so it's basically like a live choose your own adventure kind of a show exactly and there was mm-hmm. um some of it had to do with tweeting tweeting certain hashtags and there was some algorithm that you know nda is not allowed to disclose um mm-hmm. on how they kind of set up the beginning of the show and then they had Rings, which I think is from Sonic. Help me yes, out. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yes. I mean, rings are in a lot of games. Right, so rings were part of the deciding factor. If you run through fights. a ring, it's in Sonic. Like, if you're running through a ring, those are usually Sonic. Or okay. if you're, like, the smaller ones are, like... Sonic would collect them really fast, yes. I believe. Yeah. yeah. Everything with Sonic was rings and right. he's a ball. Right. Yeah. Some of it was screaming. Some of it was like certain things were in right and left hands and they would raise their hands. It was very, very interactive. And, you know, again, we had to learn over 30 fights. Mm-hmm. And of those 30 fights, you would just get handed a weapon. You'd have to know what that means mm-hmm. and have to just be able to improv and immerse in it. And I could be fighting Pikachu or I could be fighting Donkey Kong, mm-hmm. which are two very different bodies. And my naps are in very different places. So it was right. a lot of really intense training. And mm-hmm. I guess if you didn't take liberties with Jigglypuff, all of your lines would have been Jigglypuff. Oh, and I just the singy so thing of that. Because all you would have been Jigglypuff. So. Really t- he, she doesn't really talk. Yeah. Uh, other I, than saying Jigglypuff and singing somewhat. Well, you know, in case the show ever comes back, I will never give up my final kill. But my final kill did include the, the OG song a little <laughs> bit. Um, but I, I definitely took a lot of creative liberties with it. And I was able to actually help be a part of creating it with David and Jared. Um, mm-hmm. I helped write some of the original song choices and some of the dancing that I did and some of the jokes that I made like I carried a what emulated a Starbucks cup on stage for one of the improv scenes and I would just talk about how I needed coffee really bad (laughs) so how did it go from that to that like so it's just an idea and you guys are training and stuff like that and I assume they must have at some point in time had a little bit of startup capital I don't know absolutely so I think for the most part I was not really involved in the financial aspect but they they put up the beginning startup to it it did insanely well in the Hollywood Fringe Festival it was very well so you guys took it in Hollywood Fringe and yep. what what is general first off what is Hollywood Fringe? So the Fringe festivals are a idea where a lot of different types of theater. There's really not a lot of boundaries to what it can be unless it's as long as it's under the umbrella of theater. Mm-hmm. Come to a space or a series of venues in a city, mm-hmm. and it's all supported by a foundation that allows the opportunity for these actors to perform. Mm-hmm. A lot of cities don't have the support system to create a lot of audience to come to a show. So a festival, mm-hmm. you know, it brings in a lot of people to see multiple shows in an evening. So they might catch your show because they were already in the space catching another show, mm-hmm. something like that. And, you know, the Hollywood French Festival is 
very, very, very well known in the city. Uh, that's where a lot of people start to create their own content. You know, a lot of a lot of actors obviously live in the city, writers, directors, producers, and it's a place for them to get started. So mm-hmm. you premiere there, you do the, yeah. the you do the play, mm-hmm. and what happens from there? Like, how does right. it? What what was the next step? So we were actually we, it was so well received that we were invited to the awards ceremony. So we were you know awarded for our performance and in the creation of the show. I think it's funny that it's possible to not be invited to the award ceremony. So just to be clear, you are not good enough to make it here yeah. to watch somebody else get into so war. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, and that's something I probably should know about the French <laughs> Festival in general. I've never created for. I've just been a Well, I mean, there's a limited mm-hmm. amount of space. There's and there's a limited there's amount an, of space. There's, I mean, the shows could have a like hundred actors. Yeah. Hundreds of shows in the yeah. French Festival for mm-hmm. LA. So when that happened, we were approached by other French festivals. We were invited to Edinburgh. We were invited to Australia. And that would take a large financing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, then we were invited to San Diego. So we went down to San Diego Fringe, did very well at the San Diego Fringe, and then we were invited to go to the New York Fringe Festival. So when we went to the New York Fringe Festival in August, uh, that's when we were approached by a producer that wanted to put us up at the theater that we performed at in New York. Uh, what theater was that? Uh, it was Electra Theater. It's actually closed now. I was so sad to oh, hear that. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. the Electra Theater is closed. <laughs> Oh my god, That's you're so actually she's actually kind of crying. Um, <laughs> well, you know, because for me it was such a special Well, no, it is a special As an book. actor, you spend so much time. We talked about the 90/10. You spend 90% of your time in rehearsals working towards something mm-hmm. and 10% on stage. And so, you know, when you have that opportunity to share that, I will never forget what it was like to take my parents to Times Square and they go, "Okay, where's your show?" and I just point right there. Mm-hmm. What did like, it become? What is wanted. it a different theater? Yeah. Or are they is it like a Starbucks? Um, I'm not sure what they've That's... done with the space. They tried to turn it into a club or something, uh. but it's also where um oh it was the Harry Potter show. Help me. Um, uh, are you talking about the the cursed, the cursed child? child? No, not you the can't cursed be child. talking about. No, that. you're was, talking about the Harry the, Potter the parody uh, show. The parody show. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I feel terrible that I don't know their name. Starts with um, an H. Um, is, is it Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't Harry Potter. Um, um, let's see. The most important All I can thing think is, of is Potter Puppet Pals right now. So I'm Puffs gonna... the play. Puffs uh, the musical. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It okay. doesn't at all start with an H. It starts with a P. Puffs the musical. Well, so so basically, the space same. with puffs and you gave us one clue, and that clue was incorrect. <laughs> and, and and Google still nailed it. Congratulations, Google. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I needed more coffee before this podcast. <laughs> I need uh, to take a serious amount of coffee so that I can words. <laughs> words are overrated as uh, in general. Okay, so. Uh, you have a producer come up to you. Do you still do you think that's real at that point in time? Like, or do you oh, think it could it just was, be a promise? Or so I think if if everything in the arts community, you know, there's unfortunately a lot of empty promise. I've been in my short time as a you know professional entertainer. I've had a lot of amazing ideas pitched mm-hmm. to me that just didn't carry out. And when that happened. You know, I had that gut feeling that, like, this is something real. Because he did approach me first after the show. And I immediately, dis- you know, showed him off to um, David and Jared. And, I, you know, it's just one of those things that I, I didn't think much of it. I went home after we did the French Festival in New York um, early September. And that's right after I called I called you. Because I, I was like, well, I, I have to leave to go to New York for starting up a show. 
You know? And I, of course, told you, you're fired for asking. <laughs> no, it was a I huge I deal. I mean, you just don't, when it happens, it happens very suddenly. It is just kind of like the interviews that people talk about in the professional world. The celebrities are like, we got the call. We were there the next day. I mean, I really, I got the call and I left the next week. Mm-hmm. So, they, and by the time I was there a week later, they already had the other roles cast. Um, it was really neat. So you were one of the people that went with it. Did anybody else go with it? There was one other actress, Caitlin. Um, she was chic. Okay. She went with the show um, to New York, but they had cast the rest of them locally in New York City. Mm-hmm. So, which is very, I mean, it's hard to up and uproot your life and mm-hmm, move absolutely. to New York. Was um, it hard to relearn the fights with the new people or did that all kind of stay consistent for, um, for you two at least? So everything was ever changing because mm-hmm. when you're part of something that's starting from the ground up, you, you will learn, you evolve and even the mm-hmm. fights were changing. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they were, they were uh, adjusting as we kept moving. Matt and Brandon were consistently like, oh, that we should do this instead of that. And so it did change. But um, mm-hmm. when, when we went fringe to fringe, it also did change casts. You know, not everybody can stick with a fringe festival thing. I mean, fringe mm-hmm. festivals are traditionally unpaid work. Mm-hmm. So it's something that is either a passion project. It's helping your career. And that was something that I saw. I saw it helping my career. There was potential mm-hmm. to be performing and putting it on my mm-hmm. resume for big venues. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what kept me along in it. Uh, there's a lot of questions about this, but I would like to point out, because I do know your life to some degree, very <laughs> technically, there was a point in time where you're in Michigan, mm-hmm. and you're kind of deciding you want to focus on film or theater, mm-hmm. and so you flew out to L.A., decided I'm going to focus a lot on film, and now have a basically a full-time living in theater, and yeah. at one point in time, <laughs> ended up in New York doing theater, yes. never having ever really auditioned in New York yeah, doing I, theater, which shows you that sometimes, I don't know if it matters where you get, where you end up. <laughs> I've been very lucky. I, I'm very fortunate for the opportunities I received, but no, it actually, it has nothing really to do with film or theater. Um, it's a funny story, because I was born and raised in Michigan, and I was sitting, I will never forget, it was January. January 7th of 2014 and I was sitting in my apartment and it's because school is closed because it's too cold out mm-hmm. and I was sitting down and I was like where am I going to move am I going to move to New York and do the Broadway thing or am I going to move to LA and I looked at the thermometer and it said negative 15 actual yes and I went yeah I'm moving to the palm trees no. <laughs> so I did that and I don't know I mean it was amazing to have the opportunity to be a working actor in New York and feel that struggle and feel how hard it is I mean there is mm-hmm. something to be said about when you're poor in New York uh, it's it's hard mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that you just you really have to work through especially when the weather changes uh, I was there in the dead of winter mm-hmm. and um, you know when you're poor in LA at least there's a beach. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, give or take. It is easier to style. be poor in L.A. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not fun, per se. There's definitely something like it's still ramen, but mm-hmm. at least it's ramen with nice weather. Right. So. Yeah, that's a good point to think about. So um, you are now, uh, let's take you to, you're in New York, and yeah. you've actually opened. How did it open? So we did, as every show does, you know, you do practice performances and you're, you know, putting it up in front of potential producers and directors, writers and things like that and family members. Um, And then we opened on a Friday, pretty stock standard. Um, We did, which was really crazy. We immediately were up on TKTS's board. So we were immediately being sold through Ticketmaster and through TKTS, through the big wigs. Mm-hmm. Um, we were on broadwayforbrokepeople.com, which is a big deal for us Broadway folks <laughs> to be like, we've made it. Yeah. You officially have to figure out how to cheaply get to our show. <laughs> um, but yeah, we immediately sold out the first six, and then they were like, all right, let's make it a few-month run, and 
went mm-hmm. from there. So you did a few month run there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how did you, like, when did you decide to exit? Was there an exit? What was the thought process? So, because you had, you you know, you had this amazing job, perhaps the world's best job ever. I job. The so best job in the world. In <laughs> which you're hard to leave my job. Under no obligation to say this. This is your, your own free will. And you're just gushing about this. It's not at all my editing voice that they chopped yes. to make whatever sentences that they wanted. Amber's not actually here. Um, I in love full Weekend candor. of Bernie's Amber. <laughs> Anessa actually left in 2015. I've been just chopping together bits and stuff like that that it's she true. did a while back. Yep. It's true. Yes. You see, that, that it's true was the same exact it's true. You can go back over our other podcasts. It's true. Yep. <laughs> now I'm creeping myself out. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you did have uh, a job that you could go to in yes. theater that you mm-hmm. could stick with. Um, yeah. And obviously we were pretty flexible when people yeah. were making their big break. But what was the what was the exit? What was the decision? What was the thoughts? Um, is time and money. I mean, at a certain point, um, starving artists can only go so far. And, you know, I'm so grateful to work for a company that is everywhere because it was mm-hmm. able to support me while I was traveling um, to a certain extent. But my job as director was home in L.A. and I needed to get home, um, especially when we kind of realized it wasn't going to progress further to mm-hmm. go on to Broadway. It was going to stay as an off-Broadway run. That was kind of when I was like, well, I need to I need to reprioritize. This is the plateau and I need to get home and get moving again and hustle and bustle and what I do in L.A. Mm-hmm. So I, I know, like, uh, pay and stuff like that is private, and it can remain fairly private, but uh, to be fair, would you say that you you lived the dream very much yes. and the money still wasn't super there? Right. So there's, you know, there's a point in both film and TV where you actually um, make a really nice living wage. In theater, I would say that's much more of a struggle. You have to be a Broadway entertainer. Mm-hmm. And even then, a lot of my friends who are currently in Hamilton or in Mean Girls and Musical, they still have day jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't just necessarily, depending on their role, get to full run as a theater entertainer. And my full job is a theater entertainer for a company. It's very hard to come by. I don't mm-hmm. really know a lot of other people who have done that. Right. And, you know... Um, it's one of those things that we got a percentage of ticket sales, but that percentage was not that high. Mm-hmm. And it, it becomes pretty difficult. It really, really does. What's mm-hmm. the saddest about the story is Amber mentioned the friend in Hamilton, and that friend is Lin-Manuel Miranda. And, <laughs> I uh, he still has, has oh. a day job. Uh, oh, my God, I wish. He's, he's out there right now. If you go, he's he's actually the guy who's the box office for 50% off tickets. <laughs> He, the lead anymore. Yeah, he's hoping that someday his family will be able to afford to go uh, <laughs> uh, to Hamilton. So, but no, I mean it's it's one of those things that um, I had a friend visit me in LA, and he was at the time. Oh, what show was he in? He was in Matilda at the time. He's done so many shows. Um, but I, I have a lot of dance friends that do core work, and we, you know, we got lunch, and he was taught. We were talking pay, and you know, I'll keep it disclosed uh, over the podcast. But it, it, you really start to actualize that arts are struggling, mm-hmm. you know, and it kind of they're, they're kind of like I, I would like to make the argument that it's really just trickling more up to the top. Like our, yes, uh, that's very true. This is more of a global problem, but like our economy 
is actually almost double that of what it ever has been. Really? Yes. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. This is one of the best. This is one of the best economies in the history of the world. Um, but it's uh, just trickling up more yeah. than it ever has. Mm-hmm. And there are people in theater, um, these horrifying CEOs, which I would never want to be a CEO of a theater <laughs> company personally. Um, that you know they trickle all the money up to the top, and it just doesn't come. Because there's a lot of money. And now I know that, you know, the um, if you're doing Hamilton, obviously the expense of the show is high, but it's not that high. It's not can't afford living wage for every actor on stage high. And that is part of the problem. Right. And part of the problem is just real estate in general. We're living on top of each other in some of these cities like rats, and it, it's insane. It's not wrong. I mean, I, I couch surfed a lot, and I was living... I mean, if you think about it, I was a working actor in New York City, a and star. I was a step a from star. the top. I was a the lead star. In the you star. You could see from Hamilton, you could see Ambi right there. <laughs> way off. Uh, wait, Actually, a little off the distance. Actually, it wasn't yeah. far. I mean, it was I could, like, throw a baseball and yeah hit your show yeah. <laughs> and your show was sold out yeah it was um, and that's one of the things uh, like I, I would like if I can make a comparison Mike's allowed me to u- utilize his life a lot mm-hmm. um, and Mike did a a, a singular national commercial mm-hmm. and made a, a absurd amount of money yeah. in you know in Midwestern standards yeah. not mm-hmm. in LA standards or right. you know or, or as they often say San Francisco standards which is I think poverty rate in San Francisco is 107,000 right now uh, which means you can get you can get help from the government if you make hundred and seven thousand yeah. dollars uh, for a family yeah. of four, but still, like Detroit in comparison is thirty two, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are there are places and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. let let's shift gears a little bit. You are you know you're in one of the biggest immersion markets, uh, mm-hmm. biggest experiential theater markets yep. in America, and you have done how many shows have you done? I was around pre-Watson, and for those listening, Watson is how we collect all the shows we were in. And I also, for a while, was director of California, and so I had three different Watsons, and those re- those histories somehow got no, lost. Didn't merge as well? Okay. I'm assuming somewhere in the ballpark of 400. So you've done about 400. I don't know. 400 immersion <laughs> shows. Um, we don't have a ton of time left, but yeah. tell us a little bit about, like, some. what are some of the hot, fast tips for people looking to get into the immersion experiential theater as somebody who's done yeah. 400 of these shows? Definitely. I would say the biggest lesson I have learned is eye contact. Mm-hmm. I make such aggressive eye contact with people. You know, when I when I commit to somebody, I'm committing to looking them in the eyes and actually making eye contact with them and communicating with them. Now I definitely mm-hmm. can't make eye contact with you. It's very hard now. <laughs> but it is something that I do. I think that, you know, you can learn so much about somebody's limits through their eye contact. You can learn so much about where they're at emotionally. I One of my personal favorites is when I'm looking at my actors in rehearsal. I'm like, you're tired, aren't you? Yeah, how'd you know? Yeah. I'm just looking you, in the, looking you in the eyes. And I think that so many people don't make eye contact anymore. Mm-hmm. That Because it's uncomfortable. And when mm-hmm. you make eye contact with somebody, often you have a hard time finding your next thought. But if you practice it enough, you can actually start to find your next thought while looking somebody in the eyes. It's a great skill. Mm-hmm. And it's something that is not practiced. And particularly in my generation, we were like that first group of people. I got my cell phone in seventh grade. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were that first group to always be stuck to a phone. 
Mm-hmm. So it's nice to really train a skill that wasn't innately a part of our culture. Mm-hmm. And it can bring something something to somebody as well. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of intense focus can yeah. help somebody in a way to build an actual connection. Because I yeah. think what experiential mm-hmm. theater is about is it's about creating a story for them and not mm-hmm. a story about – not a story that you're just watching. Because, yeah. I mean, my God, how many stories can you watch a day? Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it does get crazy. I think one of the most amazing things I saw recently, I mentioned a few times, is I was on an airplane and I'm watching everybody watch a movie and I would say 90% to 80% of everybody I walked by was on their phone while watching a movie. Mm-hmm. So people aren't doing a screen. One story isn't enough anymore. You need yeah. to be playing a video game, reading an email yeah. uh, or something of that nature while also doing this. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. And that is a wild. I can't imagine when I was younger playing Mar- uh, you know, playing Super Mario and also watching a movie that yeah. was, mm-hmm. you know, unheard of. Double and, desktop, desktops yeah. was like, whoa, you are big business yeah. if you have two computers. Yeah. <laughs> I have found myself saying at times uh, to Amanda, I'm like, I need you to just watch TV. Or my mom was saying to me, could you stop watching TV and <laughs> be off a screen? Now I'm just like, let's try for one one screen. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually, I don't know what it's going to be like. Uh, Anessa, could you please work on only three screens right now? Right. Uh, I think, the six know, screens you're doing is just too much. Well, I yeah. think that's where we get all excited about, you know, um, Avengers and stuff where they've got like the virtual screens. I think that's where we're, you know, that would be the cool thing where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like looking at you, but I'm also working on a screen yes. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, the you know. minority <laughs> report was the first time I recall seeing that where yeah. he's like swiping in air yes, and stuff yeah. like that. But I mean, I think that just committing to eye contact with people is such a beautiful thing. I also really emphasize listening to somebody. Mm-hmm. I think that's a skill that you really start to emphasize in improv. Which I agree. I Talking at is- somebody is the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, culminating the idea of really listening to somebody, because if you're going to create a story around them, you have to listen to who they are and the essence of the mm-hmm. person you're creating. I mean, as an actor, I think it's a stock standard to say you looked around and you didn't see a single career you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And you decided you wanted to be an actor because there's a little bit of everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to be a little bit of everybody, you need to understand those people. And if you're going to create a story around them, you need to understand their essence as a person. What do they mm-hmm. do? Who are they? Because how am I going to create around you if I don't understand who I'm talking at? I don't want to talk at. I want to talk with somebody. And I think it starts mm-hmm. with eye contact and listening. I Absolutely. think the final frontier, we say this a lot, final frontier of acting is understanding the audience. That's mm-hmm. what's not talked about a lot. Yeah. Uh, at right now, we I think we just think hey, uh, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be very internal, try to figure out mm-hmm. my character. And one, if you are an actor and your goal is to mimic people, people spend a lot of time actually figuring out themselves. Right. They kind of, like most people barely even understand themselves. So as an actor, it's kind of disingenuous if you're trying to create a realistic moment to mm-hmm. think only internally about what you are, because I don't, when I'm talking right now, I'm not thinking deeply about what I am. I'm thinking about what you guys are and how to interact with you. Mm-hmm. So I, I think really that's why I call it the final frontier because right. that's the most realistic it can possibly get. Um, what are any other tips besides listening and eye contact? I've heard stabbing. Is that one that you do? No? <laughs> Not for realsies. No, okay. Just a casual butter knife well, in the side. Like, gotcha. don't actually stab them. Well, then I owe um, some customers <laughs> an apology. Oh, my gosh. No, I think, you know, um, always thinking it's actually a skill that you learn 
more as a film actor, I would say, um, which is where's the camera? Because mm-hmm. in theater, you're always cheating out to the same space. The fourth wall is in the same region the entire time, unless you're doing a theater in the round like we do. But mm-hmm. in film, your camera's moving. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening in our experimental theater. The camera's always moving. The lens is always moving. And it's also always around you. It's almost always a 360. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think about physical theater. Where is my body? What are my shoulders saying? Mm-hmm. What are my hips saying? What are my What is my stance saying? Am I nervous? Am I uncomfortable? Where am I? Mm-hmm. Because if you start to focus on the physical theater aspect, you build really interesting character choices. But one of my favorite games to play with my team is New Choice. And I just make them consistently make a new choice and see what comes out of them. And I go, well, that's great. Mm-hmm. I was working with one of my actors last week, and she just kept doing this like hair flip thing over and over again. And it created this very sassy person with her shoulders. Mm-hmm. And we started putting that into her character and then her character started to have almost more of a backbone because her shoulders were creating confidence. Mm-hmm. So a, an aspect in physical theater can create some really interesting eccentric stuff mm-hmm. with your immersions uh, as well. My general policy uh, on hips is that the hips don't lie. They never and lie. And then don't. I shared that with a lady named Shakira. And, and the rest out. is history. So yes. whenever I cross-dress in this company, the hips actually, don't lie, right? Yes. <laughs> like, she's actually a woman. It, she's the, yeah. the No, I, I actually wrote that song. And, um, I, and Shakira's calling because she's really Shakira's mad. calling right now. Yep. That you're yeah, talking Shakira's about calling right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so, um, yeah, she dubbed herself over that song. Fun fact. All right. Uh, oh that was gosh. all originally me. It was about oh me my and my goodness. life and my personal no experience. <laughs> Shakira, uh, just stop calling. <laughs> um, yeah, you know sorry. We either. never do one when we're not having headphones in, so we never actually have that problem. Um, so uh, anyway, we're going to move to our three-minute uh, our rapid-fire questions. We call these three minutes to win it. Oh, golly. The game begins in three, two, one. Now, three minutes to win it. Uh, again, rapid-fire questions. And basically, we're going to give you three minutes to answer a myriad of questions. And if you can answer all 738 questions in three minutes, uh, we are going to... Uh, Nessa has a prize for you. Yep, I am going to shave my head, and I'm going to tattoo Amber Lawson is a babe on my forehead. That's okay, very guys. fun. All right, mm-hmm. everybody root for me. We're going to do this. Except Anessa has really cool purple hair, so I don't want her to shave her head. Let's <laughs> <laughs> dye you. your head purple then. Yeah, she is. I could, it could be purple ink. Yes. Amber Lawson in purple ink. Nice. Mm-hmm. This is a fun Perfect. statement behind the scenes stuff. Anessa is slowly transitioning her hair into... Captain Marvel. For... For Grand Hotel. Yay! I didn't know if I was allowed to talk about that yet. I've still been like, it's only for the purpose of my cosplay costume. No other reason, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love that about Yeah, so we are doing... hiding secrets. <laughs> which makes no sense, because I want it publicized. I want every human being in the world to know yes. that we're doing we're the Grand Hotel. The Grand Hotel, super, Hotel come yes. Yeah, superhero event. If you haven't, check I'm out the Grand so Hotel. I was also, actually talking to my mom about it last night, and she was like, cool, can I come too? I was like, um, absolutely you can. She's like, like do Legoland? I have to bring a kid? She's <laughs> like, like, no. Do you need a child to come? Right. That's <laughs> so funny to me that Legoland actually has a policy where you have to bring a child to come because really? they had too many grown-ups. <laughs> I guess that doesn't 
Like, it's not a thing I would think and expect, but that doesn't yeah. surprise me to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that was the longest intro we've ever done for three <laughs> minutes to win it. Uh, <laughs> here. And, and now the time's up. And Darn. the time is up by five minutes. All right. We're going to give a shot. All right. All right. Starting now. Are you ready? Oh, uh, yeah. Yay. You're ready. All right. So uh, what is the favorite play you've ever worked on? Mm, the Shape of Things. What was the hardest uh, play you've ever worked on? Ooh, the Shape of Things, actually. That was an intense show. <laughs> Evelyn is... was not my ish, and I had to make her my ish. <laughs> if your life was a movie, what would it be called? Um, <laughs> a Very Happy Girl Stumbles Through L.A. <laughs> <laughs> What board game do you dominate in? Oh, it's not a board game. It's a card game. I I dominate at Nerds. What? I'm sorry, what? Nerds. What's Nerds? Um, it's fast-paced, solitaire, and speed all in the same thing. It's intense. Amazing. If my sister or my husband are listening, they're going, yeah, shut up, Amber. We know you're really good. <laughs> and not to be confused with a Game of Thrones scenario where your sister is your husband. All right. Do you have a lucky token or item of clothing? I do. I actually, my wings, but my husband's a pilot and I have them with me all the time. Uh, what uh, what made-up award do you think you deserve? Somehow happy no matter how sleepy she is. <laughs> if you were in a horror movie, would you survive? No, I'd be the screaming girl that dies at the beginning. Uh, everybody really does associate themselves with something different. <laughs> Very few people think they'll live. Or I'm somehow the dumb girl that makes it all the way through, but not, didn't mean to. <laughs> One minute, 30 seconds. All right. What is your favorite kids movie? Oh, Moana. Who are you the biggest fan of? Oh, God. Meryl Streep. <laughs> uh, who is the coolest celebrity you've ever met? Mm, Adele. And where did you meet Adele? I got to do a murder mystery at Cameron Diaz's birthday party. And it was so Yay. <laughs> One minute left. What's better, cats or dogs? Dogs. Good. Disney princess you associate with? Moana. Uh, your animal sidekick if you could have one? Oh, God. A tiger. What's the best restaurant in Los Angeles? <gasps> That's such a hard question I could never answer. So I'm going to go with the first thing in my head, the federal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is your silliest fear? Spiders. Uh, in your best action movie voice... Say something that sounds like you just want to fight. 30 seconds. And that's how it's done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Not that much. <laughs> 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 they're, they're not the best ice cream. <laughs> Other than your family, what's one thing you miss in Michigan? Mm, cherries. Okay. Apple orchards. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. uh, what's one thing L.A. really has that every place else doesn't? Instagram-worthy photo spots. <laughs> <laughs> and that's time. Ah, nuts. I didn't get through 730 yeah. oh, oh, at yeah. all. So you got, yeah. But you got through 30, and that means you failed. Next yeah. time, uh, we'll do 20 minutes to twin it. <laughs> I don't know so, what T word to use there. 20 minutes to twin it. I like it. Mm-hmm. That's fine. All mm-hmm. right. So um, if you're interested in being part of Amber's team or yeah. any of the teams uh, throughout the country, you can visit us at AIT.careers. Uh, we have our fall auditions coming up pretty soon. We are looking mm-hmm. for princess types, superhero types, and of course, the all ever present murder mystery types, along with any threats. types or mm-hmm. triple threats. Or <laughs> Join us. Yeah, 
really anything other than people dancing. People that save the world also are princesses and fake kill people. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we really want you to be your own hero and your own villain of every story. Oh my God. Uh, yes. Yes. That's pretty yep. good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Um, new slogan. I'm, I'm a genius. As you guys can tell, <laughs> we don't have any fun here. Yeah. And <laughs> that again is at AIT.careers. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about Amber, talking to Amber, uh, or anything like that, she is actually one of four people in Los Angeles with an Instagram. Yeah. Uh, there's the four of you guys. You have a very small, niche club <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in which you guys take some photos <laughs> and have upwards of 100 followers. Uh, if they want to be one of the hundred, uh, Amber, what is your Instagram? It's actually Ambie Nicole. But if you mm-hmm. look up Amber Lawson, I'm usually the first one. Mm-hmm. Or if you look up the hashtag, where's Amber? <laughs> because no one ever knows. <laughs> really? Do you have a hashtag, where's Amber? I, I'm very popular on where's Amber. Do you okay. wear where's red Amber? and white stripes? No. No. Ever? Mm-mm, just a smile. Okay. Yes. Here's and- something for my smile in LA. <laughs> That's almost as easily <laughs> identifiable. I'm very excited because Where's Amber will be more popular when you do the upcoming Europe and Middle East tour. So excited uh, for the the Armed Forces of America. So we're going on that uh, together. Yeah, Uh, I'm chasing more military bases than my husband. That's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) You have a shot. I do. I genuinely do. Uh, You do have a really shot. Um, That's another thing. If you are interested in uh, American immersion theater, we do um, tours. We don't do a tremendous but we do about three or four a year mm-hmm. uh, that bring you to some of the craziest places in the world. We are actually yeah. going to be doing our first show in Greenland, which mm-hmm. if you've never met somebody from Greenland, you are accurate to everybody in the world. Uh, <laughs> Greenland has a population of seven people and we're performing to all seven of them. It's going to be great. Uh, <laughs> what it, the population of Greenland actually I is. actually do. I'm sure it's, it's much. Yeah, it's seven. I'm, <laughs> what are you talking about? I, am I going to, are you calling me a liar on our, on me? Saying, fact check, show. Fact check. <laughs> I don't want to hear your fake news, Amber. Uh, and that is a wrap. So this is Scott from American Immersion Theater reminding you that theater is a story about others. American Immersion Theater is a story about you. Good night. Good night. Yay. <laughs> Where, hashtag where's Amber? <laughs> If you'd like to hear more about American Immersion Theater Podcast, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. To be our friend and ask us questions on Facebook, just search American Immersion Theater. Finally, if you're looking to be a part of the AIT family, visit us at AIT.careers. That's AIT.careers. Thanks for listening, and remember, nail guns are dangerous. We say every time, too. We say every that time a lot. we finish recording, he's like, That was great. Now we'll do one where we actually record. record yeah, and we do that to a lot of our guests. He so says it every time. We've never had it happen yet. Yes. Though, so it was bound happen. to get there. All right. So, three, <laughs> two, one.